This episode is brought to you by Manscaped. Manscaped just launched new products to keep you smelling amazing this holiday season, including their all-new ultra-premium body wash and a two-in-one shampoo and conditioner. It's time to give yourself or your loved ones the gift of beautiful skin, hair, and jingle balls this holiday season. Go to manscaped.com and use promo code LASERTIME for 20% off plus free shipping. The original cast of Star Trek says goodbye, fries his own grandpa, and George Clooney goes Hawaiian. This week on 302010. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to 302010, the Laser Time Network's weekly pop culture time machine, taking you on a splendid little journey across three decades uh, of movies, TV, music, and more. If you don't know what the show does, we examine a single week in pop culture history across three decades to see how we've grown, help us remember what we were doing, and uh, yeah, just remember where we've been and how much better things used to be. I'm just kidding. Sometimes they're awful. But this week is all filled with fun stuff, and I have been saying forever, nobody releases video games in December. This might be the biggest video game release in December we've ever encountered, because I, 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 all these must have gotten delayed. Because they are system sellers and very, very competitive. Hi, I'm one of your hosts, Chris Antista. I'm Diana Goodman, and I want to take this podcast to regionals. <laughs> it's me, Sarah. Ooh, and I cannot wait to talk about that. Uh, I love that episode. But right off the bat, got to thank our executive producer, The Miker. Great name for a podcast patron supporter at patreon.com slash laser time. Uh, he is one of our executive producers, and you can get him this action for $5 or less or more. Patreon.com slash LazerTime. If you're feeling giving, uh, it's how we support the entire LazerTime network and all the bonus shows that are going to be hitting you guys this week. It is going to be so much fun. 30-20-10 time. We're talking about December 3rd through the 9th across three decades. 1991, 2001, and 2011. We will talk about what came out in that week in those three decades. Uh, what a difference 10 years makes. Where do we get started with this? The news? The news, Diana? Oh, man. Always with the stuff yeah. I, I read cold for the first time. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's talk about the news in 1991. Uh, journalist Terry Anderson is released by the Islamic Jihad in Lebanon. He had been a hostage for six and a half years. Ooh. Oh, my Lord. That yep. is a lot. I think he's the last one. Yeah. There, a bunch of dudes kept getting grabbed in Lebanon because there was a civil war and stuff. Oh, man. There's a guy over there with a gray beard and ear AirPod just fuming at you right now. What yep. about me? I've, I had to make these AirPods out of coconuts. I don't know what I was just <laughs> That used to be the thing. Instead of just like, let's just kill civilians, it was like, yeah, let's grab a bunch of journalists and hmm. like sometimes aid workers and just be like, yeah, you want your Swiss guy back? Yeah, we'll release a hundred of our guys, and everyone goes no, and then the Swiss guy has to sit around for a hundred years. Oh, Whew. yeah, it sucks. Uh, maybe he uh, caught the last flight back on Pan Am. It's <laughs> just the airline is ceasing operation this week. Uh, it was founded in 1927. Did we mention this last week? That, no, that no. was TWA going down yeah, in I, 2001. I, ca yeah. I I meant to like come up with a mental note of like all the airlines I used to travel on that are just absolutely gone. Even the mm -hmm. biggest ones uh, barely exist. Yeah, for me, it's all the little regional jets that companies that no longer exist yeah. that I around Florida. You're like, left over flying to like flying to Boston on Alaskan Airways. Rename this airline. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what are we doing here? But now Pan Am was kind of the first big guy and yeah. now it's gone. You know, it's Pan American. It flew to Brazil and shit. Yeah. Ooh. 
I mean, it's 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 logo is brought up so fondly in movies from that era. You never see a goddamn United logo yeah. from like the sixties. It didn't have its own television show with Margot Robbie and Christina Ricci. Yeah, uh, to help you put a pin in a certain kind of time, we did a whole podcast about this. It was about the ending of Saturday morning cartoons and why it sort of had to end. I through my research, I discovered all these reasons that Saturday morning cartoons kind of ended cable, blah, blah, blah. Divorce couples. Like Saturdays were no longer the let's lie around days because people were driving their kids to be picked up by their other parent. Mm. And mm. one of the biggest nails in the coffin was NBC in an announcement that it's lost tens of millions of dollars this year. It's probably going to cut Saturday morning cartoons, um, no. which was pretty big deal because I'm a little kid watching Fox uh, Fox Kids and they are revitalizing the Saturday morning cartoon. Original stuff, rarely based on a property where NBC was just like taking any toy line, Yogi Bear spinoff. Like it was, they deserved to die. Theirs deserved to die. And they, <laughs> uh, they thought it was cheaper to make stuff like Saved by the Bell. And there was one year where it was like all Saved by the Bell ripoffs before they realized, all right, kids just aren't coming. We're getting rid of this. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Saturday morning cartoons. This is kind of the beginning of the end, 1991. Wouldn't would huh. hang in there for another eight or nine years. But 1991 movies, oh my God, that's why we're here. First of all, Diana wants to torture me with movies I've never heard of before, with actors <laughs> I deeply respect, such as Tom Waits. Yes, I respect him as an actor. Uh, Kathy Bates, John Lithgow, Daryl Hannah, Aiden Quinn, and Tom Berenger, Sarah's husband's favorite, uh, <laughs> at play in the fields of the Lord. <laughs> What a terrible title. That, that title is one of those titles I had to read like two times. Like, wait, what am I reading? Uh, right. So what? it's based on a novel. So that, there's part of your problem. And a lot of people said maybe it should have stayed a novel because mm. it's about like a, a white guy who gets drawn into the conflict between an indigenous tribe and a company that wants to exploit their land. And if this sounds familiar, yeah, Avatar is kind of based on it. Like, oh. oh. E- even James Cameron said like, yeah, that's kind of what I was going for. Hmm. You can't buy your tickets on the internet. You got to walk up to the box office. What do you say? Um, four for at play in the fields of the Lord. Like, is there a way to shorten this? <laughs> Can I get three for A P I N F O at little T L? Like, uh, or fields of the Lord? Let's get a better name. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to next year. The new uh, Jordan Peele movie is coming out, and it's called Nope. <laughs> and all I can think about is, yeah, going to buy the tickets. Can I help Do you? Nope. Autobiography. Nope. <laughs> and we also have, whew, sorry for the voice crack there, Hector Elizondo, James Sicking, Final Approach. Got to be a movie yeah. they're playing. This is kind of an odd one where it is mostly a two-hander about this guy who was in, he was like flying this experimental plane and it crashed. And then he's working with this like therapist to try to recover his memory. And it mostly takes place in one room with some, some sometimes some flashbacks. Huh. But it's the first movie that uses only digital sound. No shit. It's fully recorded digital sound and digital sound effects. Holy Lord. I bet they, they did that kicking and screaming. The union probably wouldn't allow that at all. Yeah. And it's just, it's a weird choice to, I mean, I guess usually when you do a test run on something like that, like you want it to be kind of simple. Right. And then you but, do it on like a big fancy action movie or something. But yeah, it's pretty much what, a what, what play. A digital, <laughs> what did digital sound even look like uh, in 1991? I Dude. I, I don't know. Are we still? We might not even be on dat tapes yet. I don't yeah, know. We're still buying records. Like I, I can't imagine what a digital sound device would have even looked like back then. Even, I don't even know. remember those little pocket rockers? They tried to make small proprietary cassette tapes you could like wear on your wrist. Even those had like tape in them in mm-hmm. the, in like the 1990s. So I, yeah, I can't even imagine what this is. Yeah, I'm not sure if we're talking just really good digital tape. Or huh. are we talking moving into magnetic discs, like a, like a floppy disk kind of thing? Huh. 
I do. I can't do. imagine the space being available for that. We. I should have watched it just to hear what it sounded like. Mm. Oh Sounds my fine. God. Oh my god. It's okay. Whatever. And this. But yeah, no one, no one, surprisingly, really wants to go up against the next movie, which Oof. is a little bit surprising because I mean. That last one was so bad. Well, this isn't, it, you know. The, it showed such weakness that, that, that people thought there weren't going to be any more Star Treks, frankly, after early Star Trek early They were like, really? Early December is not a great hot spot for films. It's usually around when the when people get off for school and work. That's when they release the biggies. So I think it's kind of creeping in there. But there's a ton of love for this, good or bad. Oh, yeah. And even if I just said in the cast, Christopher Plummer, Kim Cattrall, David Warner, and Amon, like, okay, I'm in. Who? What? George Takai, hey. Walter Koenig, James Dewan, uh, Nichelle Nichols, DeForest Kelly, uh, Leonard Nimoy, and William Shatner. It's number one in the box office. Star Trek Four: Undiscovered Country. Six. six. Star Trek Six. <laughs> On the brink of war. We come in peace. And you blatantly defy that we haven't fired. According to our data banks, we have. I shall blow you out of the stars. Now, the crew of the Starship Enterprise will not be the instigators of full-scale war on the eve of universal peace. They're coming about. Battle stations. Fights not to win battles. Incoming. Signal our surrender. Captain? We surrender. But to end them forever. This movie... This movie rules. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it, it's I, I I don't know. I've I've seen it. it. Might be the first one I ever saw on television. Mm-hmm. I know four was the first one I saw in theaters. But like, I obviously I like always I see these movies out of order, and I've since <laughs> every once in a while I'll go back and watch them in order. And this is such a beautiful end to a great yeah. film series. Yeah, it really is. It's the last time that we have the full Star Trek cast together. Mm-hmm. Well, um, there's video games, but it doesn't. Well, I'm I know sure there's saying. video games. There's also a Futurama episode with everyone except Scotty, which they replaced with Welshie. I know. I know. <laughs> Welshie! But I feel like this is kind of what the Star Trek movies, I kind of wish, wish they had done all along, which is just kind of just an adventure off by itself. It's not really connected to any of the other ones. You know, it's like an like an episode that's just yeah. bigger and better. It's a long and, episode. Yeah, they they brought in great actors, you know, to play the bad guys. It's fundamentally a murder mystery, mm-hmm. which yeah. is pretty cool. And a prison escape and, movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and a prison escape movie. And they brought in so they brought back Nicholas Meyer who did Rathacon mm-hmm. and And he wrote he wrote four. Oh, he wrote for. He did. He did. I don't believe he directed. Ah. Leonard Nimoy directed it. Leonard right. Nimoy also came up with a story for this film. Yeah, and it's it's incredibly timely because it's basically yeah. about the end of a Cold War. It is mm-hmm. the it's the fall of the Berlin Wall in space, and I think that's what's so beautiful about it. The last movie had was a a pretty big critical disappointment. Fans didn't like it, and you could say financial disaster. I mean, it's money back, and it's it's not. All these movies are really fun. I don't. Yeah. I have my favorites, but whatever. And this is pretty clear. Next Generation is kind of in full swing, and I think they want to kind mm-hmm. of reserve the cinematic formula for them whenever they peter out and mm-hmm. are pretty clear this is going to be the end for everybody. And it's just so classy and a great way to 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 bridge, to 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 create an alliance with their enemy that they've been... 25 years. It's 25 years of Star Trek uh, at this point, uh, uh, this year. Yeah, Steve. Yeah, it's very sweet. Mm-hmm. I feel like in a lot of places, and I just watched it, and I am a very casual Star Trek watcher. Me too. We love Star Trek in this house. Mm-hmm. I've seen all of TNG and most of uh, some of the other series, but so I was very happy to put this on, and it did kind of feel like a 
party or a play that your parents and their friends put on in a way. Sure. A bunch <laughs> of old people a, a bunch tired. of old people who like kind of shouldn't be doing this. Yeah, but still having a good time and yeah. you can tell that they all have like a lot of affection for each other and then so yeah, I really loved kind. this and I also enjoyed making lots of Samantha jokes throughout the entire thing like <laughs> you can thrust into my space dog anytime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cuz I I was kind of bummed to find out yeah, Kim Cattrall's character was supposed to be Kirstie Alley's character. Yeah, she's replaced twice. <laughs> right. And it's like, oh, that kind of would have been neat to mm-hmm. yeah, have this person who's been around for a while but was added for the movies and have her break bad. Spoiler alert. I, I mean, it's a murder mystery where there are, like, no suspects. I, enjoy, I enjoyed reading it. Gene Roddenberry had... There's very few suspects. It's pretty obvious who done Gene it. Gene Roddenberry had problems with this. And I think Nicholas Myra like, was like... I've created these characters in this this cinematic universe. You didn't. You can't tell me what's right for them to do because several of these Klingons uh, and Vulcans are products of the films. Gene Roddenberry didn't create them. I, I thought that was really interesting because they kind of like, yeah, I don't care what you think. We're gonna we're gonna continue to make this movie, and it's only it's only fault if you can call it one is that it's small. The mm-hmm. the the previous yeah. film did very poorly, and they didn't want to bet big. But I, I can't think of another movie like this that like ends the conflict with their primary enemy forever without violence. Like just (laughs) at the end, could you have predicted as a Star Trek fan, like, oh, there's going to be six movies at the end, Klingons and the Earth, Earthlings, they don't call them themselves that. They're going to be best friends. Uh, (laughs) They're going to make a pact. I just think that's so great. And I can't, I was trying to think of something else like it. And of course I'm stuck on Marvel stuff because Avengers Endgame stole its uh, credit sequence. They, oh yeah, with, with the, the signing, everyone the signing of their names. That was so that. sweet. I loved that at the end. That made I don't that know why is, I found that to be because very heartwarming. I think my brain naturally went to like I think the importance of this cast in people's lives who care are because they've met them and they have something signed by them. Yeah, you watch them do this. That it cre- makes a lot of sense. Star Trek created fandom and like. Yeah, and you get to see him one last time, and you get to like see that thing you, you have on your wall, like the curse of writing. It's so great. But, mm-hmm. but I just I was starting to think of like maybe Captain America: Winter Soldier, where they like end Shield, but like Captain America wasn't fighting Shield. Uh, <laughs> they don't become friends again. I just can't think of a <laughs> a more Star Trek. It's such a good idea because uh, like Star Trek is not a franchise about conflict and missiles. It's mm-hmm. it is about boring <laughs> Senate sequence. <laughs> courtroom drama courtroom proceedings yes and talking it out yeah rather than rather than fighting we got to figure out who's actually doing this buck this is great and it holds up really well Mm -hmm. yeah it holds up really well the effects are very nice i mean they're all good old-fashioned models Mm -hmm. i mean gene roddenberry passed away a month ago or so so you know that that hit when it opens with you know for gene but bringing in christopher Plummer. what the hell I forgot how much I love Christopher Plummer in this movie. All he does is stomp around and just scream Shakespeare at people. Yes. And he looks like he's having a really good time doing it. Because yeah. I'm sure it was a blast, honestly. Yeah. Like, it is so I mean, those Shakespeare boobs, they love to do Shakespeare in a different setting. Like, what if it's Shakespeare in space? Like, they love that shit. He was all into it. (laughs) Well, you haven't appreciated Hamlet until you hear it in the original Klingon. Of course. We all know this. The original Klingon. (laughs) Which they have published. I've seen the book. You can get Hamlet in Klingon, so you can perform it with your friends. That's, that's like you my get o- the Bible in Klingon. Oh, it's kind of like my get. my only issue with Star Trek in general. Like it's 
600 years in the future. I'm like, you know, are still talking about Shakespeare? I know, like, right? like, Really? You didn't do anything else? Like nothing some, else is going on? Look, some things will definitely last. I mean, Shakespeare, he's already lasted 400 years, so another 600 is not so bad. And the Beastie Boys. We established Beastie <laughs> Boys. Discography will all survive. Spock, it reminds me of some bar spit by Lin-Manuel Miranda. Uh, he never mentioned him <laughs> once. Uh, he... <laughs> this this movie's great. It's It's such a great send-off. I wouldn't say marred by the next film, but like the whole cast isn't back for the next film. Yeah. Just a light assemblage. So we watched it on Paramount Plus. I think that's where all the Star Trek's are. I subscribe, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it looked really good. And yet the entire time I was thinking, this is one of the last movies I feel like where we let older people just look older. There's Mm -hmm. and didn't face tune them up a bunch. Because everyone on this cast is old. (laughs) And we still have a lot of them with us, which is such a blessing, I think. But I'm shocked. I I wrote that down just like I woke I, I I was alive when every Star Trek cast member was alive. Yeah. And we've only we've only lost two. So uh, wait, it was. No, we've Nimoy. lost a bunch. No, yeah. we haven't. Not, not original yes. cast. Who? No, we've lost Nimoy. What are you talking about? Oh, sorry, yeah, I forgot about Nimoy. Nimoy. That's just too recent for me. It's fucking six years ago. It's and just thinking of Bones and Scotty. Oh, yeah. Bones and Scotty. Um, yep. Well, I mean, the fact that we still have we're almost halfway down. The other ones are. It's astonishing that Shatner is the one left alive because I think he's <laughs> kind of the oldest. He's other than other than McCoy. This is great. You should. I can't tell you how great the Star Trek movies are. They are wonderful. Get past the first one because it's weird. And well, if you have drugs, yeah, the take first them. one it is incredibly slow. Mm. I kind of like that, but that's just me. It's, to me, it's the only mis- mean, it's the only misfire. Yeah, generally the rule with the original Star Trek is the even number ones are the best ones. I I oh, only okay. disagree because I think Search for Spock is great. I think it's I think Search of, for Spock is really good too. It's one of my best mid trilogies in history. Two, three, and four. Mo- most of five is just it's bad. It's embarrassing, mm-hmm. but it's like it's it's pretty embarrassing sometimes. Yeah, yeah, and it didn't. Yeah. I, I feel like I should I do a laser time. This sent me down a rabbit hole. Like, what the fuck is George Takai and William Shatner's problem with each other? With each other? Yeah, and it was like it's I, still difficult you know to pinpoint. I don't know if it's just between the two of them because I mean. Again, I talk about Never Not Funny all the time, but Jimmy Pardo is married to Walter Koenig's, right. t- Koenig's daughter, oh. and apparently oh, no, William I... Shatner was the only one not invited to their wedding. Uh, oh. It's fucking crazy, but it's also like, you're old! Shut up! Like, <laughs> you didn't kick... Come you're... on, you guys. We've got to... they got to make up before they die. Yeah, what are you doing? Have to make Tom Hanks and... Um... <laughs> Fonzie? And the Fonz make up too. I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> all, all, them. They have to have been in the same location <laughs> and been cordial. Uh, but let's parent trap them. But see, Star Trek Six. Star Trek is so wonderful, and I'm saying that as someone who's seen, I would say, less than half of the original series, little over half of uh, Next Gen. But these movies are wonderful. They are really, really, really good. And the opposite of Star Wars. That's so what mm-hmm. most people hate about J Double J stuff is that it's. Yeah, it's a little too Star Wars, man. You want you really got to wreck the ship every single time you go out. <laughs> uh, these movies are so much fun, so much fun. It's, it's they're very uncynical, and that's yeah. what I like about yeah. it. Yeah, we lost a podcast we did with a great guest from uh, Young Turks, uh, Ben. I'm forgetting his last name, but um, it was all about like Dixon. Ben, ben Dixon, great guy, and we were just talking about the future being progressive and that how Star Trek is the only sci-fi property I can think of that's been this long lasting and its outlook is always optimistic. Always oh. optimistic. Mm-hmm. Except for Picard. I don't know. It's, I think Picard's got a strap Oof. in that. Picard's dark. But yeah, TNG 
and uh, like it is a comfort watch for me always because yeah. there's no cynicism. It's so earnest <laughs> and still funny, which is very hard to do. Just honestly, Patrick Stewart yelled, "But we must!" We must. <laughs> <laughs> Man, but see, see this movie. I, I was just floored. It made me want to rewatch them all again. So, uh, Star Trek Six: un- The Undiscovered Country, which mm-hmm. you learn in the movie if you haven't seen it, is how. What Shatner or Kirk's dad refer to the future as yeah. undiscovered mm-hmm. country. Yeah, maybe Wonderful. the future is the undiscovered country. Maybe peace is the undiscovered country. According to Hamlet, I think it's death. But mm. <laughs> let's not let's be poetic about things. Yeah, and I also it's, I, again, I'm not the biggest Star Trek person. I, I tried to read more about this until my brain melted. And, but just like I love that TNG was so popular, it had enough autonomy to where like, no, you're not doing a crossover and. You're not bleeding in the TNG. You get Michael Dorn in here, which is a little strange. Playing yeah. With... I was watching it and Sam was coming in and out. And I was like, is that Worf? And he's like, yeah, but I think he's supposed to be like Worf's it's grandpa. It's a Worf. And foreshadowing the next segments, it's he's playing his own grandpa. Yeah. Um, <laughs> a theme. A theme for this episode. Television. Television of 1991, <laughs> December 3rd through the 9th. We got Seinfeld, the alternative side. Yeah. So a pretty straightforward Seinfeld plot, but one indelible lasting catchphrase came from this show Ooh. and that this clip. So I pulled the clip for it. And then I also pulled the clip of my personal all time favorite Seinfeld bit. Oh. I do this bit all the time. Ooh. To the annoyance of a lot of people, but this the storyline is that uh, that George takes over uh, this older guy's car parking business, where he basically has to move <laughs> everyone's cars from one side of the street to the other to avoid street sweepers and stuff. I don't know, New York, big city problems. Yeah, New San Francisco girls don't understand this. Dealt with it every day. Also, yep. Elaine is dating a very old guy, and by very old, he's sixty six, which like kind of depressing to think about, and. Then, uh, but Kramer is an extra in a movie. You do say this all the time, yes. And I'm sitting there with Woody, and uh, I say, I turn to him and I go, uh, boy, these pretzels are making me thirsty. Is that how you're going to say it? No, no, I'm working on it. Do it like this. These pretzels are making me thirsty. These pretzels are making me thirsty. No, no, see, that's no good. You don't know how to act. These pretzels are making me thirsty. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best. It's it's not only the, the best, like when I walk around like Targets and Walmarts, I'm going to guess they don't want to pay for the likeness of a lot of the characters when they make Seinfeld merchandise. So mm-hmm. one of the best things they have to clip onto is like the Soup Nazi sash and just a pretzel. Because if you're a Seinfeld fan, you automatically... I bought you that box set, and it's like there's there's pretzel references in it. I saw a Seinfeld backpack at, like, a Hot Topic, and it just... It says all over it, these pretzels are making me thirsty. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> As if that's the only of, catchphrase you can write in a bag, and it was the only one they wrote. It's kind of perfect. Yeah. But that's not the... I mean, I do say these pretzels are making me thirsty a lot of times, but that is not my favorite bit that I was referring to, because oh. also in this same episode jerry's car is stolen so he has to go to the rental car place and this exchange is one of my favorite exchanges <laughs> ever committed to television it, it, i think it might be the most literal his stand-up was adapted to it lines in the show perhaps hmm. yeah oh i'm sorry we have no midsize available at the moment i don't understand i made a reservation do you have my reservation yes we do unfortunately we ran out of cars but the reservation keeps the car here <laughs> that's why you have the reservations. <laughs> 
I know why we have reservations. I don't think you do. If you did, I'd have a car. <laughs> See, you know how to take the reservation. You just don't know how to hold the reservation. And that's really the most important part of the reservation, the holding. Anybody can just take them. <laughs> Every time I make a reservation for anything, I do that little bit. Sometimes to Sam, but if I'm alone to myself or I just think anyone can take a reservation, you have to hold the reservation. God, I, I, I bet you to hope secretly your reservations are canceled so you can just do that bit. I kind of do, honestly. <laughs> and then also, you can, if you've ever you... rented a car, this happens all oh, the yeah. time, mm-hmm. which is wild. Also. You send me to the middle of fucking nowhere to get a car that isn't fucking there. I just watched Planet Trains and Automobiles for Thanksgiving. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, also a good yep. rental bit. And that's why I always rent the smallest car available because that's actually what I need. But the odds that they're not going to have it and they're going to give me a giant car that can have everything in it, heated seats and whatever, and I'm not paying it for the difference. Uh, More often than not, that happens to me. Yeah. Now I'm getting a luxury town car for the price of a Geo Metro Mm -hmm. because you guys don't know how to hold the reservation. <laughs> That's right. Not me. I always end up with a fucking Chevy Malibu with upwards of 12 stations of Sirius XM. What's the fucking point of it? One of them raw dog comedy. Oh. <laughs> the worst station. Yeah. That, where did that come from? Uh, this is personal for me as well. I think I, I was explaining last week, I'm a big SNL fan and I became an SNL fan watching Nick at Night Coneheads reruns with my parents, but then like during the era, oh, Macaulay Culkin's hosting, I'm at a sleepover. I know this kid. I like this kid. I'm going to watch whatever this show is. And that's basically my introduction to the cast of Saturday Night Live. And they're like, next week, MC Hammer is the host and musical guest. And like, this is the only album I have. I'm very aware (laughs) of who MC Hammer is. I'm going to go spend the night at Ryan's and try and watch this again. And I think it might be the debut of David Spade's annoying receptionist character. But yeah. this this joke landed so hard for me. As a fan of MC Hammer, it's Phil Hartman delivering the line. David Spade is playing his annoying receptionist uh, character. He's not letting MC Hammer through or, and whoever Phil Hartman is playing, but not Phil Hartman. And MC Hammer gets so mad he wants to go kick his ass. Okay, Ken, if you could just be patient. I can't stand it when you run into a little runt like this. They keep running everything. I could just kill him. Hmm. Whispering about me isn't going to get you in any faster. Please, hammer. Don't hurt it. <laughs> Audience goes nuts, and it's just like, what better joke is there for a, like a ten-year-old MC Hammer fan? Holy shit, did that win me over? <laughs> I'm gonna watch this show again. Lost my mind, and uh, right, right at the part where all the adults are, and that's important. We talked about that a lot on the Simpsons show. That like, uh, when you you're looking at what your parents are laughing at, and then every mm-hmm. once in a while you both laugh together, and like, oh shit, we're meeting somewhere in the middle with our humor. Anywho, mm. TV movie this week. Yes, Virginia, there is a. <laughs> The Christmas programming has begun. Yeah, Starring Charles Bronson. I don't think there's going to be a Santa for much longer if Charles Bronson's on the case. Put down that gun, Virginia. <laughs> yeah it's a story i mean it's the story of the little girl who wrote the letter and the editorial that came out you know asking about if there was santa claus and the editorial that famously ends yes virginia there is a santa claus and it seems like an, a very sweet movie i did an read editorial from 1897 <laughs> yeah that's how far back that goes oh my god yeah i had no idea okay and I also read that uh, in the movie, Charles Bronson plays a character. He plays the journalist who has to write this editorial. And at the time, he's grieving because he lost his wife. And apparently, in real life, Charles Bronson 
lost his wife. His wife died just the year before. So maybe oh, this yeah. was like a special project for him. Oh. Um, I bet but, he acted the and, exact same. <laughs> yeah. I, so this movie is not this. I had no idea it wasn't about uh, the state of Virginia banning Santa Claus. No. And <laughs> then we move on briefly to the games of 1991. We will dig way deeper on this on patreoncom time with the Video Game Apocalypse Boys. But Monkey Island Two: LeChuck's Revenge is out this week, as is one of my favorite games ever, Super Castlevania Four. I'm a much mm-hmm. bigger fan of the Metroidvanias, if that's what you want to call them. But I think this is my favorite. 2D, side-scrolly, straightforward platformer, Castlevania. I love the original three, obviously, but like this is the one I can go back and play. It feels modern enough. 1991 music, December 3rd through the uh, 9th as we close out. We close out the 90s. Um, we got new releases. Spine of God by Monster. Monster Magnet was around in 1991? Yeah. Holy Lord. Forest of Equilibrium by Cathedral. Affairs of the Heart by Jody Watley. And Black or White by Michael Jackson is finally number one this week. Uh, Tons a little bit. It was that George Went push. You put them in your music video, the kids are going to show up and buy the album. So let's close out with that. But stay right there, people. We have to assemble a crew to get our heist on when we get back (laughs) from the short break. Get ready to go jingle balls to the walls, fellas. Listen up. The holidays came early here at Laser Time, courtesy of Manscaped, the leading men's hygiene brand. There is nothing worse than untrimmed body hair and pubes around the holidays. You really don't want to look like the abominable snowman or Santa's beard is coming out of your shirt or pants. You older gentlemen with white or gray pubes know exactly what I'm talking about. And yes, it may be sweater season, but you don't want to have the world's worst ugly sweater made out of body hair. You need to keep that hair in check with the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0. There's no better gift for yourself or a loved one we can think of than the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0. It comes with everything you need to trim your tree and the hair down there. Hair down there. Inside the Performance Package 4.0, you'll find the signature Lawnmower 4.0. This electric trimmer has proprietary advanced skin-safe technology to reduce cuts on your nuts. It's also waterproof, so you can use it in the shower. The Manscaped Performance Package 4.0 also includes the Crop Preserver and the Crop Reviver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant, moisturizer, and toner to keep your south pole feeling and smelling fresh all day long. The Performance Package 4.0 even comes with a classic stocking stuffer, a pair of Manscaped anti-chafing boxers that'll keep your junk feeling fresh all day. It's the perfect package for your perfect package. Speaking of stocking stuffers, Manscaped is going beyond the groin and has some amazing new products that make great gifts like their new Ultra Premium Body Wash. It's infused with aloe vera and sea salt to keep your skin feeling clean, nice, and and moisturized. They also launched their new 2-in-1 shampoo and conditioner, which has key ingredients with benefits that include hydrating, nourishing, conditioning the scalp, and strengthening your hair at the same time. Tis the season to load up on Manscaped products, so get yourself, your dad, your brother, your husband, and friends the best gift of all, the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code LASERTIME at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code LASERTIME, one word, at manscaped.com. Make Santa proud this year. Add Manscaped to your wish list this season. Your Your balls balls will thank thank you. you. Thanks, Mom.
2001 with We Thuggin' by Fat Joe off of Jealous Jealous One Still Envy. Fat Joe, ladies and gentlemen. And continuing our theme of we probably shouldn't be playing these people anymore after Michael Jackson. It's featuring R. Kelly. Is it? Oh, okay. Well, bringing up something that happened in history isn't necessarily not canceling someone. There. Happy happy, happy kids. I didn't realize we were that powerful to cancel people. (laughs) Honestly. Well, it's, it's not really the show where you can do that. Um, look forward to annual the, Woody Allen movies. It's actually <laughs> the opposite point of this show, yeah. if you yeah. think about it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's that kind of awkwardness I love anyway. So no, we won't be doing that. New releases of this week were 2001, December 13th to 9th. New musical releases also include AOI Bionics by De La Soul, Banger Ball by Mac-10, Music and Me by Nate Dogg, Stone Raiders by Cypress Hill, Freak of Nature's by... Anastasia, am I saying that right? I feel like I said all those as widely as possible. Um, Anastasia. Anastasia by Nate's dog. Smoke weed every day. Uh, Family affair by Mary J. Blige. Just still number one. Holy shit, she is killing it. Oh my goodness, I thought I put. She will not quit until that hateration is out of this dancery. God dang it. Are we? uh, Where are we on our? Show me the hater hater nation thermometer. I want to see. (laughs) (laughs) I gotta know. And moving into the movies of 2001. I gotta think this is the get out of the way has a get out of the way movie because yes. it's the cast yeah. seems ridiculous even twenty years ago. But the 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 poor the Adrian Brody, Jonathan Price, and Hilary Swank in the affair of the necklace, which I we have a double dose of Hilary Swank this episode mm-hmm. as well. Yep. Um, yeah, except, I mean, this is a costume drama based on a real thing that happened in Marie Antoinette and a necklace and Ooh. scandalous letters to a cardinal that Ooh, turns out were faked. And it's like <laughs> the whole story is actually pretty interesting. And this movie got awful reviews. They all said like, wow, they made what should be scandalous and oh, naughty. It's just like, this is not fun. I mm. This was boring and I hated it except for the costumes, which were magnificent. So mm. Not enough heaving bosoms, it sounds like. Need yeah. more heaving bosoms. Yes. Yeah. Get Damn it. Those petty coats, y'all. <laughs> yes. More. Come on. It takes you 12 hours to get out of your clothes to fuck. So you got to really build up to it, man. Yeah, man. Yeah. It needs the Bridgerton treatment. Yeah. Like. More bodice yeah. is. is uh, more yeah. bodice is. is. <laughs> yeah. It seems like you could, you could do more. But, you know, it's, it's more of an art house release anyway. Because they're getting out of the way because. Yeah, we have a movie with every star in, in the galaxy. It, it seems coming Im- from is- a director who is on a roll like nobody's right. fucking business. Oh, yes. But nobody, and this will mirror in the next segment. I just don't remember anybody assembling a cast like this oh, to where wild. like to where like this is a juggernaut. Really, Matt Damon's playing like your fourth lead. What the fuck mm-hmm. is going on? <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, but that's where we are. Eddie Jemison, Shabo Chin, Scott Kahn. Casey Affleck, Carl Reiner, Bernie Mac, wow, two Cesar Romero, Cesar, <laughs> Elliot Gould, Don Henry Shield, Silva, Jen, uh, Julia Roberts, uh, Andy Akeem Garcia, Tamarov, Brad Pitt, Angie Dickinson, Matt Damon, uh, Martin, hell yeah, George, George Clooney, keep going. Oh, I see you. Sammy Davis Jr. George Don Clooney, uh, number one at the box office this week. Peter Lufford. Ocean's <laughs> Eleven. She didn't even say Sinatra. <laughs> what I'm about to propose to you is both highly lucrative and highly dangerous. You want to knock over a casino? 
150 million without breaking a sweat. <laughs> Smash and grab job, huh? Slightly more complicated than that. Oh. Yeah. He'll kill you, and then he'll go to work on you. Ah! You're scared? You're suicidal? You're a thief and a liar. I only lied about being a thief. Don't you check the batteries? Ocean's Eleven, rated PG-13. Woo! Uh, this movie oh is so my good. God. Yeah. One of the only, I'll just put it out there, I am not in favor of remaking good Me movies. Neither. And the original, original Ocean's Eleven, it's more important than it is good. And this time, they made it good. But I, I, I'm just a big fan of that. Like a an up-and-coming director, up-and-coming director, uh, Steven Soderbergh is not an up-and-coming director, but it, it is it is interesting with that that promo we just played says from the director of Aaron Brockovich at mm. no point in a Steven Soderbergh movie will it not say from the director of Ocean's Eleven ever again it, mm-hmm. it just won't this is too lucrative Man. his hit rate yeah. is so high for me I mean like, he's he's awesome even he's when it's so yeah. good and I forget about him all the time when I think about my favorite directors it's always like David Fitchner and Wes Anderson and I always forget about Soderbergh but yeah. honestly he has the highest hit rate probably out of any of them you forget he's still working he, he retires like yeah. every other week and then makes yes. two movies in a year sometimes post-retirement yeah. yeah and he's coming off of two movies that are critical and commercial hits yeah. in one year aaron brockovich and traffic traffic and, mm. oh and before God, yeah. that the limey and before that out, out of, of sight, sight yeah. neither yeah. of which actually made money but are both really good i will never stop promoting out of sight on this podcast yeah I th- it's I one feel of like, my favorite movies i feel like he's become the HBO Max darling, where like studios might not give him money to put anything out theatrically, but HBO Max puts out two Steven Soderbergh movies a year, and they're all really good. It's oh. so soothing to watch. Yeah, I, I think I, I think if don't entertain any more remake conversations. I know that's difficult given the biz, how the business works, but uh, the idea that like he loved this weird dumb movie from the '60s that he grew up with, make it a triple a movie like i've always wanted to do the same thing with flight of the navigator like why would i bother remaking who framed roger rabbit make a little film that you find personally beloved mm-hmm. that's the only thing you should remake ever like yeah. <laughs> ever and look everybody loves a heist movie yeah. everybody uh-huh. loves oh, yeah. a movie with double and triple crosses where you know in the end someone's thinks they're opening a bag of money and it's a bag of hooker flyers and they mm-hmm. go like Damn you! <laughs> Everyone loves lasers and having to dodge them. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And Carl Ryder. Carl oh, Ryder. Yes. Actually, I have to say, this is like my second favorite Elliot Gould. <laughs> wow. I really oh, feel he's like fun, he, yeah. Fuck he's you, so Mash, fun. and long goodbye. <laughs> it's oh. his 11 time. <laughs> he is so fun in this. I actually was Googling pictures from Jesus Christ Superstar because to me, in his costuming and his manner, he's channeling a character from the 1973 Jesus Christ Superstar. <laughs> At first I thought it was Herod, but now I think it's actually Pontius Pilate. <laughs> uh, it just, it's there for me. It's I love Elliot Gould so much, and I love especially in this movie. Every time he comes on screen, it's fantastic. Man, I you know because we because we got two really good George Clooney movies that we're talking about this week. Spoiler for the next segment, Derp. Just it really made me think more about his career. I mean, this mm-hmm. definitely underlines like definitely a movie star now, not a TV star who's become popular in movies like movie star. And I was trying to figure out like how is his career so good mm-hmm. when like he doesn't. He plays a lot of varieties of the same character. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think some of it is just he works with really good directors. Like, I'm, he's choosy enough. I'm getting to a crew pick. together with the Coen brothers. <laughs> yeah. And Steven like Soderbergh. He's, yeah. He's, he's, he picks really strong writer-directors to mm-hmm. work with who know how to direct him in the right direction. Like, I just listened to him on WTF the other day. 
That's um, awesome. It was on like a couple weeks. It was, a, a couple it was weeks an awesome episode. I finally listened to it. And, like he talked about the Coen brothers directing him like on the very first scene of Oh Brother and giving him just one line of direction. And he's like, oh, I get it now. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's like, your character is the smartest man in the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's like, oh, okay. I know how to play it now. <laughs> and then he, I didn't know he like... Yeah, everything I do, I run by Steven Soderbergh. He's kind of like yeah. my producing partner. I'm like, mm-hmm. that makes a ton of sense because most of the movies you produce and direct look like Steven Soderbergh movies. Yeah, I mean, I think George Clooney is definitely one of the smartest actors in the game mm-hmm. without mm-hmm. beating us over the head with it. Like, he's not, he's not <laughs> Sean Penn about it, you know? He's mm. just like, but he's obviously extremely smart about the choices he makes. Yeah, really cares. And does like a... Everything has so much nuance, I feel like. And yeah. this this okay. movie, I, I, like Soderbergh, he's just north of Indie Darling. Mm-hmm. And this turns all that shit on his ear. It is, it is critically well-received. It is a massive crowd pleaser. It is the beginning of a, tri- a trilogy, excuse me, a tetralogy. There's a fourth movie I forgot mm-hmm. about, Ocean's 8. I have not finished that yet. Which I love. I'm, well, I'm, <laughs> I should fine. also say, like, I am also not a huge fan of this movie. I not I not not say not a huge fan like it's fine I've watched it like dozens of times and it's just like I will never put it on I've I've seen it so many times This movie uh, Ocean's, yeah, 11. Ocean's 11 To me it's the perfect movie to put on when you are hanging out with your parents after a holiday dinner and you're trying to figure out what to watch and mm-hmm. you cannot come up with a good movie that will please everyone this is a great go to I wish I would have put it on here so I could tell you the same things i've sat through many a star trek six you know oh it's 20 minutes in i'll just keep watching it i've done that so many times with oceans 11 but i haven't started from scratch and i probably should have for this episode but Mm -hmm. it was just like it was never one of my favorite films but it was like all of my friends who watch like 10 films a year favorite film which is important (laughs) it's important like we're about to get lord of the rings and like this was in everybody's dvd collection in 2001 everybody fucking had this movie well, I think it it's a good repeat movie, too, because there's so much to look at. There's yeah. so much to notice. Every character is doing their own thing, and every character feels like a main character. Yeah. So mm. when yeah. they are on screen, you... Yeah, if, you, if, you're, are... if you're a fan of any one of these individual parts, you're a Julia Roberts fan. You're going to show up and be a very happy person. If you're a Bernie Mac fan, you're going to show up and be a very happy person. If you like that Asian acrobat character... You're going to come out a very happy person. Almost every character could have their own yeah. movie. Yeah. And yeah. I kind of wish, honestly, Casey Affleck and Scott Codd did have their own movie. Yeah. They are so fun together. Yeah. That should have been the sequel. Don't do everybody back together. Start spinning off. Go yeah. for it. Yeah. So yeah. Spin them off two and three at a time. That's cool. It's- is this also the movie where we all started noticing how much Brad Pitt eats on camera? Yes. Yeah, I think this is the one, right? They're, 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 I, I forget what the story is, whether it's intentional, because they keep cutting back and forth, and he's eating a shrimp cocktail, and then he's eating like a watermelon, and then he's eating something different. I think I heard they were intentional continuity errors, but he just wants to be paid to eat, because, spoiler, Brad Pitt doesn't fucking eat whatever he's eating on screen he's probably a strict regiment you don't have abs like that once upon a time in hollywood <laughs> three yeah, years ago so convincingly it's almost sexual yeah <laughs> it's like so he's so ravenous i wasn't gonna say that i was gonna say it's very bugs bunny i like a character who talks when he eats well <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah is that what we're gonna do okay. i do too that okay. also because that's real mm-hmm. yeah. i hate watching Movies and television shows where people are just moving food around on a plate with their fork and they're not eating. Mm. Drives mm. me crazy. Just put it in yep. your mouth. 
But Ocean's yeah. Eleven, crazy heist movie. I don't hate the heist movie, but the, I do hate the triple cross. And I, I, what? I, I, no, 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 just in general, like not, not necessarily in this movie, but like this did go into like kind of perfect. And Steven Soderbergh's done it time and again. I was watching mm-hmm. Logan Lucky recently. I'm like, Jesus Christ, dude, just stop, stop yeah. doing this. Uh, <laughs> no, not if people paid attention to that movie. It's good. It's good. It's just yeah. like, man, a lot of Every things you're telling me after the fact. Every Soderbergh movie is just uh, the always sunny meme with the bulletin board with all the yarn. <laughs> basically all it is. Do we even need to describe the plot? I don't think we do. Nah. I don't think we do. Big old gang. They're going to rob a bunch of casinos. Mm-hmm. Andy Garcia doesn't like that. Maybe he can get his girl back. I don't know. I think, I think that, but also, in terms the of the whole trilogy. Point is that everyone is always, is, is Clooney and his gang are always two steps ahead of everybody else. Yes. And I, I do rather enjoy it as the series went on they, to, to, to marvel Andy Garcia's character into the crew. Like, the bad guy is the good guy. You know? uh, I always yeah, like that they, kind of oh, stuff. Shades of Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They made up. Yeah. <laughs> well, so. Uh, I love Andy Garcia, and I always, every time I see him in something, I. W- I always think to myself, why don't we see more Andy Garcia? I bet you didn't yeah. say that in Godfather 3. But yeah, Ocean's Eleven, so it's, it's it's hard to even talk about or try and even review. It's review proof. It is charming. It is yep. evoc. It is, if you think 2001 doesn't have a style, it's being created right here. Mm-hmm. And, and like, it's a very aughts movie, uh, yep. in my opinion. Stylish is, is a very good mm-hmm. word for it. It's a very mm-hmm. stylish movie. It, it puts music I, in that people a... will use for the next decade yeah. to sell you cell phones and cars oh well it rediscovered a little less conversation by elvis presley which now we associate with vegas so much that both the original and a remix by junkie xl hit the charts after this yeah which is bizarre i actually had a question the at the very end where everyone's looking at the the fountain and kind of peeling off what is that music it's very famous film music is it claire de lune that's it thank you it's in everything and i I was it was driving me crazy yep claire de lune yeah. And it's uh, Caesar's Palace, just so you know. That no, I, it's the, the Bellagio, Bellagio Fountain. I mean, that's, yeah, what I, that's what I meant. Why did you say Caesar's Palace, Diana? I don't know. Okay, I'll say one mean thing. Don Cheadle's accent. Oh, I was Quite just about terrible. to bring that up. There. I found I the flaw. Just about to bring that up because Don <laughs> Cheadle is manic in this movie. He's kind of my least favorite part just because he is so all over the place. I'll only, I'll only say conversely <laughs> when I was saying I was a big Don Cheadle fan at this point. And he had just had like tiny roles in Paul Thomas Anderson movies, the Denzel Washington movie, and like, and I think this helped Don Cheadle become a genuine movie star. Yeah, definitely helped. I mean, he was in Traffic also. True. Yeah, that was a real good part. True. But yeah, he's moving out of, hey, it's that guy territory. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, we will know Donald Don Cheadle's name after this film, just elevating him to that level. Got no qualms with Ocean's Eleven. It, no it, qualms. Yep. Uh, Holds up. Still yeah. fun. Recommended. 2001 television. I was so busy preparing the rest of the show, I've never heard of this. Mm-hmm. So this, what aired on December 4th, Jim Henson's Jack and the Beanstalk, the real story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's part of that thing that we've been talking about for a while. The Jim Henson this era. Yeah, where it's just, you know, modern day fairy tale remakes with a crazy huge cast that's on television during primetime. I think we did Alice in Wonderland we talked about previously. Yes. and. Mm-hmm. This happens. And so, yeah, this one's starring Matthew Modine, Mia Sarah, John Voight, Vanessa Redgrave, Richard Attenborough, Daryl Hannah, and James Corden. And it's Jeez. best of all. Okay, so, wild cast. So Corden is like a baby. Yes. And there's Daryl Hannah again. Yay. And uh, and also it's being 
being brought to you by a dead man. No, he's been dead for a decade. Oh my god! So where this name comes from, I am baffled. Directed by his son, though Brian. But Jim Henson's the Jack and the Beanstalk, the real story promo. What if the fairy tale that beans and more than that were true? Shot right up to the sky, just like in the story. CBS and the Jim Henson Company. Jack was a thief. We have a giant skeleton in our closet. Present a television event of gigantic proportions. Hello, little man. Starring Matthew Modine. We've been telling the story wrong for many years. And Vanessa Redgrave. Oh, fun. Ready or not. Jack and the Beanstalk, the real story, CBS December 2nd. I'm not against green screen in a Jim Henson movie. I'm just mm-hmm. against green screen in 2001 in a Jim Henson movie with Jim Henson's name on it. Oh, it looks, it looks, this has British co-production written all over it. I've never, I've never, I, I've never seen this and I'm just the biggest Jim Henson fan in the universe. And put it on the list. The second biggest Matthew Modine fan in the universe. So oh, thank I you. I do love me some Matthew Modine. SNL this week. Jesus, what? This is hard to I had to read this like three times. Musical guest Mick Jagger with your host, Hugh Jackman. Very similar made-up names there, it feels Jagger like. Jagger and Jackman. Jagger and Jackman. Hugh and Mick, you know him. Hugh uh, and Mick. Hugh and Mick. I have not. I did not research this episode. Because yeah, I think it was perfectly fine. I went back and watched my one of my all-time favorite episodes of Futurama. I, Amen. I, I remember watching this, I'm going to guess, this week, and I was absolutely shocked this made it on television just i thought (laughs) how did you sneak this by everyone like this is a little too ribald for 20 years ago roswell that ends well a time distillation lands the planet express crew in roswell roswell new mexico in 1947 the year roger rabbit takes place um professor that's what happens when you're like what is it looking at a neutron star and then you put metal in the microwave Mm -hmm. Like that's obviously how time travel. Don't think too much about it because I'm surprised they hadn't (laughs) tackled the subject more, given how many seasons they were in the Futurama. That's true. It's just third, yeah, the third season, and it's very Back to the Futury Terminator. And Farnsworth informs Fry like you need to be careful out there because your grandpa's kind of a ditz, and if he dies, you will cease to exist. And Fry spends the rest of the episode like, uh, stop doing all this dangerous shit. Go fuck your fiance. And make me happen, and then inadvertently gets his grandfather Enos killed. <laughs> but then notices he doesn't disappear, and it's like, oh, that must not have been my grandpa at all. And consoles his widow, uh, who then seduces him, and he has sex with. <laughs> yeah, uh, poor Fry finally gets laid. Finally gets laid, and I and lo- it's with his grandmother. <laughs> I've always, I've always loved the idea of like me getting laid, and then I wake up to three of my friends looking in the mirror, like, dude. Get out of there! What are you doing? And uh, yes, they all show up uh, to Fry's seeming uh, great night of sex. Oh, Jesus Christ. Ah, it's impossible! I mean, if she's my grandmother, who's my grandfather? Isn't it obvious? No. You are! Ah! Ah! Did you say something, dearie? I'm a bit hard of hearing. <laughs> I... I, I like I don't know like I'm not the smartest person in the world and I never watched Futurama like oh I love ha- seeing all these sci-fi references and the show is so smart I was just kind of like a dumb twenty year old and this just like I was overwhelmed my mouth my jaw hit the floor <laughs> like I cannot believe they're doing it they're canonically making Fry his own grandfather I think I, it could have been retconned given other episodes but I still think that's fucking hilarious this episode uh, I believe 
ends up in top 10 lists of Futurama episodes. Justifiably yeah. so. Very, very clever. I mean, there's so much going on in it. Like, they need microwave technology, but that doesn't exist in 1947. The army finds Bender, and they think that uh, he's an alien spaceship. They reassemble him into a flying saucer. <laughs> yeah, I love that Dr. Farnsworth the whole time is like, you know, whatever you do, don't change anything. And by the end, he's just so sick of it. He's just like, fuck it. I don't care if they take photos of the spaceship. All right, shoot lasers at him. I'm sick of this. Let's go home. <laughs> and, and, and surprisingly, it is a very adult look at the single stream time theory. Of that, like, uh, I didn't disappear. Enos must not have been my grandfather. I'm like, he never was, man. This is all supposed to happen. You were supposed to lay pipe to your grandmother. Always. Always. Mm -hmm. Everything is unfolding as it should. Tilda Swinton should be very happy. (laughs) Yeah. I was trying to do the math on the genetics of, like, if you are... Yep. <laughs> like, how inbred are you? And it's like, I was well... building one of those grids in my head. <laughs> no, but it makes yeah. it makes all the sense in the world. She is not blood related to Fry. Well, yes, she is because she is his grandmother. No, not when they hook up to initially. No, because Fry exists. She has to have been his grandmother at some point. Oh, wait, you're right. No, mm. you're not right. Yes. No. Yes. No, this is so because fucking Fry confusing. exists and his, let's say, father exists. And that is his father's mother, let's say. This is so, there's a yeah. There's a, this a, is why paradoxes are very very complicated. There's a 1940 but... song out there called "I'm My Own Grandpa," and it, it yep. I listen to it every once in a while because it's like very confusing, and it's all about singing how you could be your own grandfather. Um, right. and I feel but like it has a lot of remarriage in that one <sighs> to make it actually happen, but and, not literally genetically a grandfather. <laughs> yes, I, and that, that it's running that speech and Bill and Ted face the music, which makes I mean, him his own son. <laughs> I do have to say there's literally a person on Real Housewives of Salt Lake City this season who did marry her grandfather, her step-grandfather. What? Whoa. Yeah, when her grandmother died. Her step-grandfather? She bequeathed, she bequeathed her step-grandfather to her and she married him. He was just so, uh, he was always so sweet to me. Not related, but still, step-grandfather. Uh, she married her own step-grandfather. Aren't we all looking for a partner this like our step-grandparent? This is why y'all need to be watching Bravo, okay? No. There's a lot going on. People are getting arrested, marrying their own oh. grandfathers. It's, go, it's a lot. This hurts so much. Um, man, 2001 video games, the 3rd through the 9th of December. Again, to read what I said at the top of the show, generally all your games come out in early November, so everybody has enough shopping time. But I think, I guess this is a less of an Amazon world, they assume. I do like that statistic, if you've never heard it. The, the biggest shopping day of the year is Black Friday. Nope, never has been. It's always been Christmas Eve. Everyone doing last minute shopping. Oh. Always. Always has been. So mostly when you see people on Black Friday, they're trying to get that thing for themselves. But this is, I guess, 20 years ago. We don't have an Amazon. We don't have a Cyber Monday. And I cannot believe the games that are coming out here because a couple of them are the things that would sell the systems that are competing very heavily against one another. We not only have Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance, Mega Man X6, I believe the, the last 2D entry in that series before it never comes back. Uh, we have Jack and Daxter the Precursor, per, the Precursor Legacy, one of the biggest and best PS2 exclusives of all time, comes out this in early December. It's really late for games. I cannot reiterate that enough. And the GameCube has been out for a little less than a month. And you know somebody missed the deadline because Pikmin is out. Uh, Pikmin is now 20 years old. The Pikmin series of Captain Olimar landing his ship and having uh, living in a tiny little man in a big world and having to coerce plants into doing his bidding. Charming series, uh, Pikmin. Oh, they're so cute. It's the best. But also Super Smash Brothers Melee. Aha! And I, there it is. 
I know I'm not correct in this because I had tons of friends who were into Smash Brothers, the original for N64, but it was like six characters and like uh, it just, you know, it, it wasn't taken seriously by the fighting game community. It was just like this. We played it like Mario Party, like uh, not very seriously. This changed everything. This entered every dorm room. Anybody with four controllers could now have a four player battle. This is where Smash Brothers starts to be a phenomenon. Not only the fighting game community, but a household name. The roster starts getting bigger. Uh, there's so much to do in this version of uh, Super Smash Brothers. And I do believe this alone, this early in the GameCube cycle, helped sell it way more. GameCube is kind of one of my least favorite Nintendo platforms. Seriously. It's like Wii and GameCube. But then there's stuff like this that, that make you, oh, it was all worthwhile. <laughs> I had so much <laughs> dorm room fun with Super Smash Brothers Melee. There's still people out there modding and playing Melee in tournaments like until Nintendo puts a stop to it to this day, 20 years later. Yes, but that is, we will talk about that way more in depth. Patreon.com slash LazerTime. Please consider giving us a support. So much more stuff comes to you over the holidays. And we'll close out this segment with a little Elvis, baby. Do a little, a little less conversation because, yeah, I, I, I love it when there's something in a back catalog that sort of gets reintroduced to people, usually like through a movie or TV show or something. Yeah, and everyone's like, oh, shit, this this is really good. Why have I not heard this? Like, hey, yeah, you thought you've heard every Elvis song. Oh God, no, there's thousands more. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. This is a jam. This song screams giant lapels, huge sideburns. Let's go to Vegas and not tell our wives who we have sex with. A little less conversation. Stay right there, people. Cause we have a lot more to talk about right after this break. A little less conversation, a little more action. All this aggravation ain't satisfaction in me. A little more bite, a little less spark. A little less fight and a little more spark. Close your mind and open up your heart and maybe satisfy me. Satisfy me, baby. Mrs. Internet and all the ships at sea, it's time for Diana's Classic Corner, where we go even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching. And for the week of December 3rd through 9th, we've got two great movies from 1981 hitting their 40th anniversary. One you've probably heard too much about, um, or just don't want to see because it sounds boring. And the other one doesn't get mentioned that much anymore, even though it was like a huge hit commercially and critically. But let's start with the sappy one. 1981, 40 years ago this week, saw the release of On Golden Pond with Catherine Hepburn, Henry Fonda, Jane Fonda, Dabney Coleman, Doug McEwen, uh, William Lanto, I think is the name of the kid. And it's about an older couple in the twilight of their years, and then they get to like get to know their grandson more and the troubled relationship they have with their daughter. And Henry and Jane Fonda playing father and daughter, and it's it's pretty dang sappy, but it's also like yeah, but it's good sappy. Like they're they're doing a good job, and it is really sweet to see these actors, you know, that have been around for fifty something years, like not denying their age, but really playing into it, and it's. It, ends up being very touching honestly especially if you've got older parents or grandparents it's probably gonna make your tear up a bunch and it's just yeah it's, it's pretty well done and then the movie i don't know why every, anyone except for warren Beatty stands never seem to bring up but reds also turns 40 years years old this week and maybe it's just because it's long and it's about communism but it's a movie that people should rediscover uh, starring co-written by produced directed by warren Beatty. It's about John Reed, who was a radical leftist journalist in like the 19 teens. And he and his girlfriend, played by Diane Keaton, who I think is also an activist or a journalist, 
plus their buddy Eugene O'Neill, the playwright, played by Jack Nicholson, and Maureen Stapleton as anarchist Anna Goldman. And it's like, you know, about the burgeoning socialist movement, first in the U.S., and then the Russian Revolution uh, in 1917. He goes over and covers it. And it's, you know, based on a real guy, Avi. And it's pretty interesting because uh, the Russian Revolution is actually really complicated and there's a lot of different sides. And this makes it a little bit easier to understand and understand, like, why socialism why communism? Why anarchism? What are the upsides? What are the downsides? Oh, it turns out power corrupts absolutely, damn it. But yeah, Reds has some really striking scenes, and Warren Beatty is a hell of a director. And yeah, it just sort of gets, I don't know, not talked about all that much anymore. But uh, it's on HBO. Yeah, it does clock in at like three hours, so you can watch it in a couple couple evenings. And yeah, I think you'd be surprised. It's it's both personal and political and interesting and small and big. And yeah, Reds, I just... I, really like it. So that's it for this week. Stay classic. Coming into 2011 with uh, the Black Keys, Lonely Boy, off of their album El Camino. It's out this week. Welcome to 2011. You're 10 years in the future from the previous segment, yet still 10 years in the past. Get how the show works? Sorry, it took an hour. Welcome uh, to the, our final segment, 2011, December 3rd to the 9th. We also have some new music releases, such as Hats Off to the Bull by Chevelle and The Path of Totality by Korn and Revolver by T-Pain. Uh, Ooh, we- Tallahassee. Local T Pain. Tallahassee legend T Pain. Yes. Mm, hometown representative. The T stands for Tallahassee. Mm hmm. <laughs> it's Tallahassee Pain, y'all. Introduce the whole town to Scissor. That guy's, that guy's great. Uh, mm-hmm. We found Love by Rihanna featuring Calvin Harris. It's still number one. I was digging at the last minute for uh, news ishness. I'm just seeing, like, oh, is this the first time Vladimir Putin corrupted an election? <laughs> Wild voting irregularities observed uh, local, in massive protests in Russia over voting irregularities, um, mm. where you can somehow win the election despite losing 77 seats. Oh, well, let's not mm. dwell on things Russia does. It's all a conspiracy. Anyway, moving to movies of 2011, December 3rd to the 9th. I'll Melt With You, uh, starring Thomas Jane, Jeremy Piven, Rob Lowe, Christian McKay, and... Carla Gugino. Jesus, why did I sit on that? Yeah, wow. This is another one that's like, this sounds like, this is an interesting concept, but the reviews were actually pretty rough on it. But uh, I Melt With You is about like these four guys who were like buddies in high school and now they're middle-aged and they're sad and things aren't working out for them. Uh, And then one of them brings up, hey, remember when we were dumb teenagers and we said we'd kill ourselves if we got to be boring middle-aged people? We should do that. Yeah. We should, but and we like, never do. Uh, no, <laughs> you probably shouldn't. And then one of them does. Oh. And then they have to cover it up, but then the guilt of the cover-up. So it's sort of like a very bad things, but not, but middle-aged and weird. Mm. Mm. I, yeah. I mean, obviously, trigger warning for suicide, because it sounds like there's a lot of it. And the reviews were pretty brutal, just saying, like... Mm, sounds like, like rightly so. Like, this isn't... It's, it's not funny enough to be a dark comedy it's not serious enough to be a drama like what are we doing here guys what are you doing like oh okay but you know your mileage may vary i guess there's some people that just clicks for i don't know i'll tell you what we're doing we're going to see jonah hill on the sitter 
with Sam no, Rockwell, JB Smoove, <laughs> Ari Grainer, and uh, Max Records. Is that uh, where the wild things are, kid? I believe it is. Yeah, I think so. Um, the sitter. My real babysitter, Nancy. She does what I want her to do. I'm not a real babysitter. <gasps> I'm more of a sit on the couch. What's up, you little tampon? Do whatever I say or I'll kill you type of babysitter. Ah! <laughs> you sprayed perfume in my mouth. I hate you. I'll destroy you. Ah! You did it again. <laughs> I... I, I didn't really watch this movie, but it's mm. like if you're still in the throes of the charm of Jonah Hill, and I was, mm -hmm. it's not terrible. Oh, I was pretty disappointed because I'm all for like an adventures and babysitting thing. I'm all for basically a stoner comedy where you drag kids along and they're in inappropriate situations. That's cool, you know, but there just weren't enough jokes for me. Man. I mean, just they're getting chased by J.B. Smoove and Sam Rockwell as these drug dealers and like, I feel like that whole, that, like, didn't need to be there. Yeah. Spineapple Express meets know. Adventures in Babysitting. It just, it just, uh, it just uh, didn't have enough. Like, it just felt really light on jokes. And I was like, but why? These people are all really funny. And this is a funny situation. Maybe, maybe I'm older. Time is moving differently. But I just wish I would have had more good Jonah Hill comedies. And then I just read he's playing Jerry Garcia in a Martin Scorsese film. Like, I should just die. I don't want to see that at all. <laughs> I don't want to see that at all. Uh... Lord, take me before I have to watch that fucking movie. <laughs> <laughs> but a fantastic movie. But yeah, let's let's just move on to. So the sitter is a movie that should be funny, and I felt like wasn't in mm -hmm. the end. And the Descendants is a movie that. Really, when you read what it's about, it should not be funny. Right. And yeah, mm -hmm. I laughed harder at this movie than yeah. I did at The Sitter. Dark, dark, Alex Payne wonder. Uh, yeah. Matthew Lillard, Judy Greer, Bo Bridges, Shailene Woodley, and George Clooney in The Descendants. But my friends think just because we live in Hawaii, we live in paradise. We're all just out here sipping Mai Tais, shaking our hips, and catching waves. Are they insane? Do they think we're immune to life? How can they possibly think our families are less screwed up? Our heartaches less painful. The Descendants is now an Academy Award nominee for Best Actor George Clooney, Best Director Alexander Payne, and Best Picture of the Year. <laughs> None of those would win it. <laughs> it would be... The, but it would screenplay. The Dean. Yes. The and Dean. wait. This is where we get the iconic Jim Rash yes. standing with his leg out. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. written by Nat Faxon and Jim Rash, both of whom I love as comedic actors and writers. Yeah. I, 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 I think talented, the honestly. way I heard them describe yeah. it, like Alexander Payne just wanted some kind of comedic heart and reached out to the Groundlings or UCB or whatever they were a part of. And like, do you guys have any writers? And like, we have these two guys and they don't really know Alexander Payne very well. <laughs> and it's, you can kind of tell when they share the stage collecting a statue. Like they, mm -hmm. they don't seem like chums. They're all standing separately um, other than Nat Faxon and Jim Rash who are clearly friends. I mean, I should say kind of the big debut of Shailene Woodley who's done oh. an awful lot of stuff. Fault in Our Stars, mm -hmm. uh, Big Little Lies, the Divergent movies. And, oh, and it was the just, Divergent movies. Sorry. And okay. it was just her 30th birthday. She was born during the show, November 15th. Happy oh. birthday. Oh. And, but it, it's it's nice to bring you down to the ground because I have this vision of like, if I lived on the beach, everything would be perfect. And I, yeah, I think Sarah has to tell me every couple of months, like, yeah, you, same bullshit. Uh, <laughs> mm -hmm. Cleaning up after storms and all that shit. Like, you have to do all that unless you're like a billionaire. Uh, how do we summarize what this movie's about? I so I believe it's based on a book. Mm -hmm. And... It's about a guy whose wife is in a coma 
and he finds out she had an affair. He cannot connect with his children at all. And he is part of a family trust that owns a very large tract of land worth a hell of a lot of money mm -hmm. uh, in Kauai. And they all want to sell it so it can be developed. And he's got all these problems. Yeah. Finding out about his wife's affair, finding out who the guy was. It's Matthew Lillard and watching <laughs> watching George Clooney's frightened uh, and trying to stalk Matthew Lillard. Running around I'm on asphalt running. with flip-flops. It's, it's, <laughs> it's like my favorite thing George Clooney does is play this like this this unglamorous douchebag. He's so good at that kind of yeah. shit. I love it when he does it. Ah. Yeah. It, it is so weird that something that sounds like obviously so heavy of all these people having to, you know, say goodbye to a loved one before they're going to, you know, withdraw care. And yet it's ends up like it's being very, it's very touching without being sappy, mm -hmm. you know, has a, a lot of fun stuff with the extended family because they all live in Hawaii. You know, they wear Hawaiian shirts and shorts and sandals and he's got like voiceover about like yeah these guys all look like they came from a jimmy buffett concert but they're a bunch of fucking sharks and i don't mm -hmm. trust any of them mm. it's like little stuff like that it's just like yeah you can live in hawaii and it, yes it's paradise mm -hmm. but you still have the same stupid bullshit problems and then some probably mm -hmm. yeah grief is grief and mm -hmm. i love that this is an exploration of grief i feel like there should be more of that there are very few movies that have actually made me laugh out loud and bawl my eyes out and this is mm. one of them mm. i remember in the movie theater just crying an embarrassing amount while watching this because it's oh i haven't just... seen you do that in a while <laughs> i know it used to be such a regular thing for us yeah well, it just has so many just like really well like very three-dimensional characters for mm -hmm. you know movie it comes in under two hours and it's like and there's like people that you don't expect to pop up like judy Greer popping up and like rob hubel popping up and you're mm -hmm. like it's this but like sometimes not for funny parts and then robert forrester gets to punch people and you're like yay yeah damn <laughs> wait right. but in like a sad part but you're like yay <laughs> robert foster can yeah. do no wrong yeah. yeah it's it's like alexander Payne's just so good at doing like I can't even call it a dark comedy because I don't think it is. No, but it you all know? it all reminds but me. But not of, like or like Election. I feel like Election is a dark comedy right. that you still actually like really feel for Matthew Broderick's character, even though he's done this all to himself. Mm -hmm. Some I like, remember somebody called Kids, pathos. Kid, still Kids in the Hall yes. Dark, which I never saw, but mm -hmm. it is it's like a long Kids in the Hall. <laughs> a closer Ow. glimpse at the misery everyone is experiencing. Alexander Payne also did Sideways, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like he's good at doing building something builds to a ridiculous scene, puts the character in like a ridiculous place, like George Clooney running in the flip flops or uh, Paul Giamatti eating a bucket this... of chicken with his wine. God Paul, yeah, Paul Giamatti like <laughs> drinking out of the bucket of spit wine. Like <laughs> it just it comes out of nowhere and it kind of shocks you out of feeling melancholy. It's kind of the perfect balance. Hell yeah. Mm. Hell yeah. 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 Yeah, big, definitely a big recommend. And I'm glad I went back and, and re-looked at it because I think it's one of those that I watched because I have to watch every Best Picture nominee. And there does get to be a point where I just start mainlining them. I just marathon them. And they, the, the, the finer points, sometimes I miss them. Yeah. I'm glad I went back and it, it's watched true. it again. It's, it's not complaining about our job, but it does. I, I do hate that about it sometimes when you end up watching the best movies of the year in a row. Like, how am I supposed to know? If I were supposed to eat the five best dishes cooked by chefs in a row... How would I know? <laughs> how, how would I know? Well, that's why you got to balance it out, like watching mm -hmm. your next movie. 
well, no, I, this is this is streaming. I will free, not streaming free on uh, on IMDb TV, <laughs> the hallmark of a great film. But you can do that free through Amazon Prime and or maybe just Amazon with ads. Mm-hmm. I forget. But the next movie, oh my god, do I want nothing to do with this? Do I, oh, oh. let's list that cast though. We got another huge like a Marvel movie, and it's just like one of those things. 10 years after Ocean's Eleven, like, oh, I know how to make a can't-fail movie. We'll put something in here for fucking everybody. Every, all your stupid podcast friends, <laughs> all your TV show people, all your old movie actors, all your Oscar nominees. Here you go. Sofia Vergara, Hilary Swank, once again. Till Schweiger, bringing in the Germans. Michelle Pfeiffer, Sarah Jessica Parker, Leah Michelle, Seth Meyers, Ashton Kutcher, Catherine Heigl, Hector Elizondo, again, Zac Yay. Efron, Josh Dumel, Robert De Niro, Chris Ludacris Bridges, uh, Abigail Breslin, John Bon Jovi, Jessica Biel, and Halle Berry. In... Cesar Romero, Frank Sinatra, <laughs> Henry Selva, Angie Dickinson. <laughs> no, number one in the box office this week, it's uh, Gary Marshall's Immortal New Year's Eve. If you could make my New Year's resolution come true by midnight, you get these. Four tickets to that party? You called the right guy. Last year, I met a woman, and she was extraordinary. You're going to meet her, aren't you? New Year's is the worst night of all to go out. People who don't go out all year suddenly going all Kanye on you. Nothing beats New York on New Year's Eve. <laughs> We're just fooling around. I like fooling around, too. New Year's Eve, ready PG-13. God, is this, this, is this movie, mildly cynical? Jesus. This movie is just like actual New Year's Eve where everyone's desperately trying to give, convince <laughs> each other and themselves that they're having a good time, but nobody's having a good time. Mm. <laughs> I do not like New Year's Eve, both this movie what? and also as a holiday. There's a one woman who doesn't like New Year's Eve? No. There's a girl holiday if there ever was one. It's for amateurs. Mm. This movie is dreadful. Uh, I couldn't. I just couldn't. I, I did. I, I started. I was hoping you would jump on that grenade for yeah. me. I appreciate it. I got you, girl. Yeah. I just can't. So, first of all, where are we? Have we already covered, like, Valentine's? Yeah, we talked about yeah. Valentine's Day. This we is his done... second to last movie that he's directed. Oh, Mother's Day is the last one, 2016. Okay. Oh, Lord. Well, wants to be Love Actually so bad. Oh, and yeah. I was trying to think. Not like... even Love Actually is that good. Like, I love Love Actually, but I can admit it's. Yeah, it, it spreads its moments around and, like, ultimately, like, you could have just watched four good short films. Yeah. Instead of watching mm. Love Actually. And it, it, it just, movies I don't love, but I'll watch any time, like, Go and 200 Cigarettes. Mm-hmm. Like, making a movie like that with, like, top tier movie stars that's what this yeah. feels like the uh, intersecting small stories movies. yes the intersecting yeah. small this, stories yeah i love that i love that as an idea and as a theme and i think love actually is an example of that and i i love love actually but i acknowledge its issues this mm-hmm. is terrible <laughs> and it got a six percent of rotten tomatoes oh, first of all oh how which is how? just wild considering the cast also i'm very like i always get really upset when i see good people in movies like this because this movie also has sarah paulson and cherry jones oh man ladies what are you doing why are you here? getting paid i guess i guess but they're very small parts anyhow yeah it's just very cynical nobody is smiling with their eyes you know like they're Mm. all just there saying their lines and i have to say one of the worst storylines is fucking hillary swank apparently she's like the coordinator for the Times square ball drop and her best friend is ludicrous who plays a cop i believe it 
and at one sure. point she's trying like it's new year's eve during the day and she's very busy and frazzled because the ball it may not drop <laughs> <laughs> is gravity still working i can't tell y'all so hard <laughs> and so at one point there's these two guys that are like hanging out the window of this like high rise she's in just throwing confetti out the window during the day and she just turns to ludicrous and says oh they're testing the confetti Y'all, <laughs> y'all, how long has, com- why are we testing confetti? Like, it's a tiny piece of paper. It'll fall to the ground in a celebratory manner. You don't have to test it. Yeah, yeah. They've got, like, confetti cannons. Just guys? Yeah. Just, Just guys. guys throwing confetti out there. We're making that a rice paper this year, and the like, bats really love that. It. Good Lord. That, to me, re- I made a note of it, because it really summed up how unbelievably ridiculous this movie is this this lost the razzie to worst ensemble cast to uh jack and jill oh they're just cheating (laughs) yeah because you can't beat an ensemble cast like this and de niro in all the clips i watch looks so bored and like you can just see in his face can i go home now yeah (laughs) he spends most of it in bed because he's dying Mm. But his dying wish is to watch the ball drop one last time. And guess what? Hillary Swank is his estranged daughter. What? Oh, wow. She'll do it for him. Uh-huh. Damn it. Having done the Macy's parade and uh, the, the ball drop with some of my New York friends before, there's nothing they love more than a tourist event. All New Yorkers love being right. in Times Square. <laughs> the it looks the like shop. a true nightmare to me. <laughs> yeah. It's truly terrible. Just all around bad, bad writing, story doesn't make any sense. Weirdly, I feel like the person who has, is having the least amount of fun is Ashton Kutcher. He yeah. seems so upset in every scene. <laughs> He's supposed to be stuck in an elevator with Leah Michelle, which by all accounts is not a gem. So <laughs> maybe they did not get along, but he seems to be really having a bad I, time. I think he was, he was the movie. in the middle of his like cool experimental period and like this is the opposite of that guaranteed success in a movie that's not going to do well critically well he's just coming off of friends like eight steve jobs movies i forget what he was doing attached which one are we the whatever friends with benefits yeah impact or no no strings attached dear god i can't remember that guy got declared a movie stars with the least amount of movies that's a really good point yeah all right well we can dunk we can dunk on uh leah michelle in a minute oh thank god because we're gonna move into television Oh, yep. thank goodness. Black Keys are back, baby, as the musical guest for SNL with your host, Steve Buscemi. Yay. Yay. Say it right. Then Steve... say it right. What Did I say it right? <laughs> yeah, no, everyone says it wrong. It's Buscemi. Buscemi. Oh, I thought yep. we were supposed to say it. Noted character actor, Steve Respected Buscemi. character actor, Steve Respect. Buscemi. I'll go get him from his little doggy bed in the other room. You heard mm-hmm. him earlier in the show. Um, tell him he was great on SNL. But I will. Yes. This, it was a very solid episode, but... It did have the debut of one of my favorite weekend update character people because oh. I have many of these in my own life. <laughs> I, I love this character so much. Oh, and I think I might know what it is. Yeah. Did it is it part of something that like recirculated after Rudy Giuliani brought someone in to testify? Maybe. No. But oh, close. Damn. Very close. Damn. Honestly. I love that character so much. Yeah, no, anyway. but this is another favorite. I heard he did this character multiple times in front of stadiums full of people, and I just wish I was there. I love this SNL cast member, and it's my favorite character that he does. Let's see who debuts this week. Kids today, kids today, they're always saying, text me, text me, text me. Don't you write a letter, you dummy? 
A letter to who? You can't even say Merry Christmas anymore. You gotta say, hey, baby Jesus, you wanna do Pilates? <laughs> or, or are you on a cleanse? You know what I like about Christmas, though? That sexy green M&M lady. <laughs> <laughs> this character is more timely than ever. Oh, my, oh God. my gosh. Bobby Moynihan doing Bobby, Drunk Uncle. Drunk Uncle is the best. It's yep. the best. And honestly, I have several drunk uncles. Mm. We call them drunkles. <laughs> and yeah, this feels so but real. All, all he does all right. is speak in grievance buzzwords. <laughs> yeah. And- See, I'm, I'm just going to assume that his daughter is lady you regret talking to at a party, who is what yeah, I thought you were going for. It, yes. it, it's very similar. Awesome it's very, except, except, you know, white dude problems. I, I just I don't I do it all the time when I've had too much to drink. Nobody gets it. In one of the sketches, he just he's bitching about all the people making text on their Twitter, and then he just falls asleep. <clears throat> Snapchat, <laughs> Snapchat, and like that's all that's it, that's all he knows about it. It's something that he hates. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, and complaining about it in a way that makes no no sense. sense. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, this is what happens when you're informed <laughs> by right-wing media. Yeah. Don't get a good glimpse love at anything. Love me a drunkle. Yeah. yeah, I love that. Just, yeah, I don't have any drunkles, but I have me met either. so many people where it's like, they're mad about something, but they don't remember the talking points about why they're mad. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, here, here's the revelation so I had. They're mad at it, but they don't, they couldn't, they didn't say it as well as what Tucker Carlson said. They're, they're too drunk to remember what it is, but they know it's bad and they're mad about it. The revelation I had is that I might be the drunk uncle, despite not Ooh. being anybody's uncle. But I am at that age, weirdly dressed, usually drinking, and the fir- but instead of complaining, I'm the first person to put on the Santa outfit or the VR goggles and do whatever that's going to make the that's little true. kids laugh. It's yeah. <laughs> be All that of uncle. All my drunkles are are actually quite pleasant people to be around, and just mainly don't go off on right wing rants. Thank God they just mainly talk about the glory days of growing up in the seventies, but. That's Still, awesome. Drunk uncle is classic. <laughs> it was awesome. Wearing bike helmets made of homosexuals. I'm putting a lot of stuff together of what I think the 70s was. Um. <laughs> it's like the Stefan. It's like a mix of Stefan and those memes that your boomer parents share. That's like, we drank from the hose. You know, it's just nonsensical. <laughs> there is no bigger act to follow than, in my opinion, the mm. best Christmas special of the previous decade than what community did with Abed's uncontrollable Christmas. And they mm-hmm. somehow stuck the landing and made it wonderful, wonderful Christmas episode. That is also a scathing takedown of a contemporary show that it's competing with. In, in, yep. in, and also it's, uh, <laughs> it's also invasion of the body snatchers. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. Several shots from invasion of the body snatchers. I wasn't watching SNL. Right at this point. This was my introduction to Taryn Killam, one of my favorite cast members of all time. Love. Who deserves more love. That guy is so fucking good. He's Uh, so funny. He's so good. And also, I just need to tout Single Parents. He was in a uh, multicam sitcom a couple years ago that went on for a couple seasons, and he was hilarious in that. Yeah, Taryn. Can't wait to see what he does next. He's got a great... found footage documentary movie about trying to kill the greatest killing Gunther and Arnold Schwarzenegger's the ultimate hitman and all the hitmen are trying to kill him. It's a good movie. And I haven't heard anybody <laughs> ever talk about it. Community has regional holiday music, which is this enormous, just 
unabashed like we hate glee <laughs> the show not not necessarily because like i i've never really heard of a glee club in any of the colleges or high schools i went to and i went to like six yeah. but I, yeah it, there's it, plenty of plenty of glee clubs there's plenty of you know, acapella groups or i'm sure there are choirs. but the song lyrics are very specifically tar- targeting Fox's glee. Everything's better when we're winning. Everything's happier when cameras are spinning. That's not, yeah. cameras don't spin in a glee club. They're making fun of glee. <laughs> yep. They're making fun of, they're so outright. I mean, in not even 22 minutes, they get five original songs in. And they're all, they're pretty good. I think some of them are better than others. I saw some people just hating them. And I was like, well, what do you want? I mean, they're doing no. original songs. Glee doesn't do original songs. Right. Glee Word. covers. Word. So shut up. Um, yeah, it starts out that, well, they destroyed the Glee Club because we found out briefly that they the previous Glee Club bus drove off a cliff. <laughs> and in the flashback episode, we found out that they became the Glee Club just once. But we don't actually hear them singing. They just sort of like sing noises and it's a tiny flashback and now the glee club is back there's a new glee club and <laughs> jeff rats them out to ask cap so they can't do remixes anymore and they all go insane <laughs> and that's like the opening two minutes <laughs> i i don't know what's my i know what my favorite song is here but uh-huh. it, it, but also donald glover which yeah. i think for the majority of community watching audience probably didn't know about childish gambino he wasn't really i think he, they beatbox in one episode, but you don't really see what Donald Glover can do. And like when he pulls out that like Jehovah's Witness Christmas song, that shit is incredible. <laughs> Dude, he's Jehovah's most secret witness. So he might have to dedicate <laughs> his life to Christmas. And it, it, yeah. it's fucking awesome. And yeah, the Mr. Rad, the head of the Glee Club, decides he's going to recruit the community gang to be the new Glee Club. First, he gets his hooks into Abed. By singing a song, and then that becomes basically how how the evil is spread yeah. like a virus the zombie bite. through songs. Through song, and my absolute favorite community was making fun of baby boomers before it was cool. Just a vile hatred of baby boomers. I'm not going to play the whole song, but this makes me laugh so much, and I show it to my dad all the time whenever he talks like this, just, just to ground him back to life. Trying to suck Chevy Chase's character Pierce in to joining the Glee Club. And he will explain. I understand them. You, Pierce? Your generation invented music. I don't know. Invented. Perfected me. Pierce! They're just trying to pander to your demographic's well-documented historical vanity. Resist! Stop it. Wasn't Santa Claus himself part of Pierce's peer group? I believe so. One, two, three, four. Santa Claus was born in 1945. He had a boogie woogie Coca-Cola army chat. And when the commies gave the polio to Doris Day, Santa helped the Beatles take McCarthy away. That baby never gonna die. Santa fought at Woodstock in Vietnam and smoked a ton of acid and burnt his brain. And then in 1970, did more drugs. <laughs> it's, it's so good. And every time I hear it, it's like all of those lyrics went to form a Cracker Barrel gift shop. <laughs> like it's... <laughs> God damn it. It is so funny. That sequence is so funny. It is so well choreographed. Even the li- the, the people I've never heard of who come out to bring out disco balls. <laughs> Baby Boomer Santa is the shit. Please watch uh, this episode, gentlemen. It's one of my favorite episodes. Community, I watch it every year. Regional holiday music in the third season, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, yep, I think this is the, it, they go to hiatus after this. So it's like perfect, perfect for holidays. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. 
Moving into our last video game segment, uh, we'll talk way more about this with our video game, video game apocalypse cohorts on uh, patreon.com slash laser time. Three games that I highlighted from this week, Pushmo, one of my uh, favorite first party Nintendo titles that got two entries. It was just a touchscreen. How do you push a physically push a puzzle in together to have it all aligned? And the 3D kind of made it work. Um, for the 3DS. It's only available on 3DS. Pushmo. Trine 2 is out on PC and Mac, and Mario Kart 7 is out on 3DS, which is... This is when I believe it started. Every new Mario Kart will be the best Mario Kart you've ever played, and uh, that's when it starts with this one. We've had two since in the 10 years in between, but Mario Kart 7, despite... Uh, kind of a subpar online experience was a wonderful celebration of everything Mario Kart is supposed to be and representation from all of its greatest hits with some new elements thrown in there, like uh, hovering and uh, gliding. Fucking great. And you can we're, we're going to talk way more about that on Patreon.com slash LazerTime. Listen to LazerTime this week. Uh, Mr. Diana Goodman is really... I don't know why he wanted to do this Western adaptations, uh, Western live action adaptations of anime in honor of Cowboy Bebop coming out. And I didn't know there were only really 10. There's only really 10 of those. You think they're all over the place, but you're just thinking of the stuff Japan makes that is forgettable and sad. The stuff America makes is also embarrassing. So check out that episode of Laser Time. Video Game Apocalypse every Friday. We're going to do some weird things with uh, video game credit sequences this week. I can't wait to uh, for you guys to hear that one. Check that out on Friday. Die. where can people hear you, Matt? Well, they can find me on the Twitter at listenerd, L-E-C-I-N-E-N-E-R-D, or follow the show at 302010podcast. That's 302010podcast. And coming up next week, uh, there's going to be fighting. We we are going to throw down. We are fighting. We will be fighting, yes. There will be a fight in 1991 about a movie about Peter Pan. That I think is very beloved. All right. That is strangely beloved. We have a movie, a Cameron Crowe movie starring Tom Cruise. Not that one. The other one in 2001, we are going to fight about. Oh, we're going to fight. <laughs> yeah. We are going to fight. Uh, Cameron Crowe. I know some album covers. Of course you do, Cameron. Stop yeah. it. Keep, keep those ojos abraid. Yeah. We'll be fighting. But then it'll all come back around because I think we will agree. We have maybe Charlize Theron's finest hour mm. in 100%. 2011. Also, where was Patton Oswalt's Oscar? Word. Yeah. Also agree. Uh, yeah. Was... That's right. Alvin and the Chipmunks chipwrecked. We're going to talk about <laughs> that. Um, not to spoil everything was out we did an episode of laser time with diana and sarah where we nominated our favorite movies the decade did both of you have alvin and the chipmunks chipwrecked i'm misleading people <laughs> but you know what i'm talking about did you have a movie we're going to talk about next week or was that you and kevin uh yeah yeah I, I it was strange like we didn't plan that at all like no i, I never even yeah. heard, i haven't even thought about that movie no yep. the mm-hmm. movie that we're going to talk about in 2011 it made the list because yeah. remember yeah. we all devote and everything and i'm so happy it did yeah I, I saw it twice and, and just time. didn't think about it. And when the list was, I just loved the idea that both of you championed it as chipwrecked. The spot the differences in next episode. But yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, we got to tell you who died and lived during this period. All right. Well, on the desk, we only have one, but man, was this guy around for a million years. In 2011 is when we finally lost Harry Morgan, who was 96. He was Bill Gannon on Dragnet. He was Colonel Potter oh. on MASH. Uh, he was friends with Glenn Miller. That's how old he was. He kept popping up on TV well into the 90s. I think he, didn't he guest spot in the Simpsons episode? Uh, yeah. Playing, yeah. <laughs> playing a dragnet character? Wow, yeah. The, the guy who's not Jack Webb, Harry Morgan. Mm-hmm. 
96. Nice. Yep. Um, yes. yes, that's when you put your butts up against the back of each other's head. Yes, and... do some moon landings. Yes. <laughs> what? <laughs> when you gently blow farts into the back of someone's <laughs> bald pates. Okay, um, now we're getting to squid in the whale territory. Only way I've ever done it. <laughs> but with that out of the way, the bubble bubble birthdays are Oh, birthday is a doodly doo, a ding dong doodly doodly ding dong doo. <sighs> okay, we are wishing a happy 53rd birthday this week. Not necessarily because I couldn't find anyone with a good round number, but I think everyone likes this guy. We should uh, say happy birthday. Let's see how far we get. Uh, born December 3rd, 1968, in Indianapolis, Indiana, the youngest of four boys to Canadian parents. He is the first American-born person to have a star on the Canada Walk of Fame. Which, knowing that like he was born with a Canadian passport, I was like, yeah, I see it. I see Canadian energy. Oh, God, what is his name? Don't let her do this. He's trying to psych me up. No, I'm trying. Okay, keep going. Keep going. He made his film debut in a movie we talked about a little while ago, Dogfight from 1991. He's one of the soldiers. It's not River Phoenix. And if you guys watch that, maybe you'd get this. Oh, shut up. Come on, Diana. You've never to play this game before. It's hard. That's true. It is really hard. All right. So movies of his we have talked about. Mrs. Winterborn, Extraordinary Measures, Inkheart, and G.I. Joe Rose, Rise of Cobra. Uh, so it's not... Oh, we start hard. Bruce Willis. No. Is it? Oh, see, I can only name... I cannot think of this guy's name. But if I give... If I talk about, like, oh, is it this guy from Blah Blah Blah? He'll steal. He'll steal, steal it! it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, maybe you'll find it after Furry Vengeance, The Mummy, Tomb of Brandon the Fraser? Is Brendan Fraser? Oh, okay, that's not who I was thinking of. So okay, I don't feel so bad. Oh, yeah, right. Brendan he's, Fraser is fifty-three. He's the Good biggest cameo in Kids in the Hall brain candy. He is. Mm-hmm. I was going to mention that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also talked about Journey to the Center of the Earth, Gods and Monsters, fucking great movie. George of the Jungle, Blast from the Past, also a pretty fun movie. Dudley Do Right, Bedazzled, Monkey Bone, Mummy Returns, and Mummy from nineteen ninety-nine. <laughs> you know who I was thinking of? The guy. His first name's John. And he is like, he's been in a bunch of movies. He was in Step Brothers with Will Ferrell. John C. Riley. John C. Riley. No, That's what I was trying to say. No, that wasn't me. I, 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 I don't know. He feels like dummy. he could have had a Canadian background. No, no, no. From here. Yeah, I kind of see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, everyone talks about like, oh, Brendan Fraser. It's like <laughs> everyone just sends him so much love on the internet. Just like, I hope that guy's doing okay. And it's like, you know, I never put the Canadian part together. My, like, he does have kind of Canadian energy, though. My favorite yeah, thing I've Canadian seen on the internet, and I'm, I can only say this because it's the end of the show, was a picture of Ned Flanders after he had like two shandies with his eyes half dimmed, going to bed in his nightgown with his wife and just saying, <laughs> fuck Brendan Fraser. <laughs> 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 I don't get the internet's love for him. He has made so many monstrosities, but I, I don't hate him. But I also am not ready to redeem him yet. I've seen a big chunk of Doom Patrol, and he's a lot of fun he's on that. Fucking, he's very great in voiceover on Doom Patrol. <laughs> yeah, even the little bit of live action that he did there, and you know, he's very good in the affair. Didn't see it. Time. I didn't see that. Didn't see it. And Steven but... Soderbergh's uh, No Way. Shit! Don't stop. Uh, what's the the new one that's out? Uh, no sudden move. No sudden move. I think he's in that. Mm. Yes. Yeah, he's also, I mean, I just love seeing people. I have a special place in my heart for the videos that you watch before you get on the theme park ride. Oh, yeah. <laughs> What's it called? Uh, I don't know. I don't know if it has a name. There should be a name for that. But he's all over that for the mummy ride in Universal, which mm. Sam and I went to this fall. And so I, yeah. One and it's like best rides in the 1999 
Brendan Fraser. That ride rules. Yes, yeah, the best ride. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yep. And he's spoken out about being sexually assaulted and about how the Hollywood foreign press is a bunch of bullshit. And I respect both those things. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Word. And just a Teddy hard. I, I love him now as a hardworking actor. He shows up and he's funny or he's dramatic. He can do anything. Really like the guy. Contrary to what yep. I just said. <laughs> yeah, I think forget. that's the thing. Is people just seem to like. He seems like he's a nice person. He's been around for a while <laughs> and didn't molest anybody. Let's give him a trophy. Yeah. <laughs> At this point, I mean, we could talk about Monkey Boat again. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. Mm. <laughs> well, that brings us to the end of our program. What are we closing out with? Oh, my God. Well, I thought I'd give us a choice of all the songs from community regional holiday music. Now, you already did Baby Boober Santa. So I think Christmas Infiltration. We could do Christmas Infiltration, which is the rap song. And it's fantastic. Or Teach Me to Understand if Christmas. Here's where seasons which... this December would be the December of our December. It's like one of the <laughs> weirdest fucking lines in any song ever. I, I do have to promote Teach Me to Understand Christmas which is a parody of Santa baby about a Jewish person wanting to be part of Christmas, but not understanding it. And just the way Alison Brie becomes more baby talk mush mouth as the song progresses, like her brain is melting. I'm a silly Christmas point, baby. Yeah. To the point where she's, you know, Wayne hoodie, understand the Christmas. <laughs> yep. So I leave it to you. What, which were those two? Sarah, break the tie. Mm. You know what? I think we need to do, Teach me to understand Christmas. Oh, I just love Alison Brie so much. Mm. Yeah. I win. I win. She wins. Well, thank you so much for listening to the show. Patreon.com slash laser time is how you can support us. If you have the extra scratch, Lord knows we could use it. Thank you so much for listening. Listen to other, other laser time shows. If you feel so inclined, tell a friend about the show. Have a happy holiday, happy break, whatever you do to wind down, man. The year's almost over. I want to say there's things to look forward to, but maybe just brace yourself. With, uh, with, we have shit to look forward to on this show, man. True. Oh, yeah. True. Stay in the su- there's never been a better time to stay inside and watch old stuff. Oh, oh my yeah. God. And some new stuff. Y'all go see House of Gucci. I need to talk Ooh. about it with someone. <laughs> Wait 10 years, Sarah. I don't, I don't know why I said that like Will Forte. But yes, we will be back next week. Thank you guys so much. Won't you be my daddy? I'm a silly Christmas baby. Tell me what to deck. <laughs> Cause I forgot. Annie. Wayne oh. Hoodie understand the Christmas. Miss 